Good evening, everyone. It's good to see your faces again from this morning, and so very thankful that we're able to get back together uh, this evening to talk about a topic that all of us should know a whole lot about as Christians, and that topic is forgiveness. Forgiveness is something that we are familiar with um, if we have taken on the uh, uh, the clothes of Christ, if we have been been dead to sin. We know what it means to be forgiven. And if you want to go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18 and verse 21, that's where we'll be starting this evening. Uh, but before we get into the lesson, I just wanted to say thank you for the hospitality that you have shown to me these day, that today that, that I have been here. And uh, it's been good to spend some time with you guys and get to know you all just a little bit better. And as a, a young Christian myself, it's always good to... Uh, see the brethren in different places and, and get to know uh, other Christians. So the parable we're going to look at this evening concerning forgiveness is the parable of the king and his slaves. Jesus tells this parable to Peter because Peter asks him a question. In verse 21, Peter asks this question to Jesus, and Peter came to him saying, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. So this question comes right after if we look at the uh, uh, passage above. It comes right after Jesus is telling the apostles and the disciples about the 90 plus 1. Look in uh, the same chapter and look up at verse 12. Verse 12 of chapter 18, it says, What do you think? If any man has a hundred sheep and one of them gone, has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go and search for the one that is straying? If it turns out that he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine which have not gone astray. So it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. And he also talks about in these next few verses, in verses 15 through 17, what to do if a brother sins against you. What to do if a brother is in sin or sister is in sin. In verse 15, picking up there, it says, If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to even the church, let him to be, be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two or more agree on earth about anything, it shall be done for them by my Father. For, there, for where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am in their midst. In the first couple verses of this, of that which we've read, Jesus outlines what we must do if someone uh, sins or sins against us. We must confront that person, and then if they are unwilling to uh, repent in private, then we go and get someone else. And so Peter asks this question right after Jesus you know, tells him uh, if someone sins. And it, it kind of, you know, you know, Peter does this often where he, he gets kind of ahead of himself and doesn't realize what he's asking. And I don't think that the Lord was saying that there's a limit to how much a brother can uh, be forgiven. And so Jesus 
answers the, the best way. He says, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. So if I'm, I'm an engineering major in college and I'm a civil engineer now, that'd be 490 in that right coat. Uh, Cody, 490 would be 70 times seven. If I'm wrong about that, that's a lot. It's a, it's a lot more than I can count just sitting here. I'd be here for a long time um, counting on my hands and toes uh, 70 times seven. And so the point that Jesus is making here isn't that we have a, a tally board in our home where, you know, each person we, that we come into contact with, we have a little tally of, well, they sinned 110 times against me today, so they're getting clear, you know, closer to that 490. What he's saying here is that it needs to be an amount so big that we can't remember it, an amount so large that we can't tally it up. And we'll see that here later. Uh, in one of the in, in this parable, there'll be another amount that is so large that can't be tallied. So Jesus answers the uh, the question also with a parable to Peter, te- trying to teach him what he doesn't know yet about forgiveness. So let's look in verse twenty three and twenty four. For the for this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to set, settle the accounts of his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. So, I, you know, we don't deal with talents today as our currency. We have dollar bills and so on and so forth. But the, uh, the Bible that I'm using says a talent is a, uh, 150 years worth of labor, of, of wages. So if, if this man, had, or 15 years worth of wages, if this man had multiplied it out, it'd be 150,000 years of, of labor this man would have to do to pay off the king. I don't know about you, but I don't know anybody that's lived that long or anybody's family that has lived that long. So in the context of this story, there is no way this servant nor his family could ever pay back the debt to this king. There is no earthly way that he could do this. So let's continue in verse 25. But since he did not have the means to repay his Lord, he, com- he commanded him to be sold, along with his wife and his children and all that he had, and repayment, and repayment to be made. So the king comes up with, an, with, you know, this is what I've got to do. He owes me so much, i just got to get rid of him because I need to cut my losses and, and, and put him out of my kingdom because of the fees that he's racked up against me. And... You know, there was nothing that this slave had that the king did not own. He owned all of his possessions. He owned his, his wife, his children. So there was nothing that he could leverage here. But as we look in verse 26, the, the slave does come up with a way to save himself from being sold and his family from being sold. Verse 26. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. So the slave, he humbles himself. He Falling prostrate means he probably you know, laid himself on the ground. It reminds me of uh, Joshua when the angel comes down. He literally, it literally means he put his face in the dirt so that he would show utmost respect to the king so that 
the king would, would listen to him. And he knew he couldn't repay the debt. There was no way he could. This, this sum of money was something that never could be repaid based on his, uh, his income. And it was clear based on his reaction that he didn't want to leave the kingdom. I know that uh, slavery is, a, is an awful thing. But if this, if this man was, was good to his slaves, it would be a bad thing for him to be sold to someone else who may treat him poorly, who may treat him in an evil way. So this, this, this slave wants to stay in the master's kingdom. So in verse 27, the king answers the slave, and he says, The Lord, that the slave felt compa- the Lord of the slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. So the the slave gets what he wants. He gets to stay in the kingdom. The debt is erased as well. He doesn't just say, well, you can stay longer, but you've got got this debt. I want to accrue interest on it. No, he wipes it completely away. It's gone. It's like it never even happened. But in verse 28, we know the rest of the story, right? The slave makes a bad choice. But that, that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, which is about three months' worth of wages. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay me back what you owe. So now the, the tables have turned, so to speak. Now the slave that once was on the, the benefit of forgiveness is in, a, in its position to give forgiveness to a fellow slave. And in verse 29, the fellow slave says the exact same thing that he said, that the, the slave said to the master in the first reading. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, I will repay you. And in verse 30, we see where the slave makes a mistake. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what he was owed. And now the king hears about this. Verse 31. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same manner that I had mercy on you? And his Lord was moved with anger and handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. And Jesus equates that to what will happen to us if we do not do the same in verse 35. My heavenly Father will do also the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. The reason why the, the Lord of this nation or, or whatever he was Lord of showed compassion to his slave was not because he was going to get that money back. It wasn't because it would benefit him financially. Exactly the opposite. But it was because he wanted that slave to learn a lesson about forgiveness. If I forgive you, you ought to forgive someone else. If, you, if I can forgive you this insurmountable, unimaginable amount of money. No amount of money that, that the slave had ever seen. Then 
you need to be willing to forgive a small amount when that arises. The Apostle Paul also has the same attitude about forgiveness. Let's look over in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. In verse 30. Beginning in verse 30 of chapter 4. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So we were forgiven. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other just as God and Christ has also forgiven you. So in this parable that Jesus tells to Peter, who are we? Sometimes we're the king, forgiving. But I believe that we are the slave. We can choose to be the Lord's slave. Or we can choose to be the, slaves, the slave of the devil, the slave of our lust. And we can make the right choice to forgive each other, unlike that other slave. But also we should have extra motivation to forgive because the price that was paid for us was also of such an insurmountable amount. And that was Jesus. Look over in Romans chapter 5. Turn over to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 6. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received the reconciliation. I don't know about you, but the death of, of the Son of God is a price too high. I can't work enough hours. I can't mine enough gold. I can't think of enough things to do to repay that. But God doesn't ask us to repay Him in something He asks us to obey. And asks us to emulate Him. Because he forgave us of debt that is so great, why can't we forgive each other? Turn over to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. 
bearing with one another, and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. So the Apostle Paul is not just limiting forgiving people to forgiving other Christians, but anyone, and not just a sin, but a complaint, something that may be minor. Don't let these things stay in your heart. If you have an issue with somebody, go talk to them. Most of the time, they didn't mean it. Most of the time, it's just a simple misunderstanding. And yet it can be something that leads us to show partiality. And then that can lead us to be in a wrong relationship with God. Paul's point is in these passages, if we have not been forgiven by God, have we not been forgiven by God by so many transgressions that cost Jesus his life to erase? Can we not forgive any earthly slight, complaint, or sin of another against us or even against God? If we do not forgive others, we are showing that we do not fully remember or appreciate the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. To be the last passage we look at, turn over to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, we know this passage pretty well. It's, it's probably one of Jesus' um, most famous parables. It's the prodigal son. And if you look back into your memory banks, the, a, a man had two sons, and one of them he wanted to go ahead and get his inheritance. And his dad gave him his inheritance, and he went off, and he had righteous living, and he lived in sin, and he lost all his money. And then, this is where we're going to pick up in verse 17 of Luke chapter 15. Verse 17. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quickly bring out our best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this son of mine which was dead has come to life again he was lost and has been found and they begin to celebrate so everything's great the the son he comes back into the fold everybody's happy but wait there's one other person in the story now his older brother was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, Your brother has come. Your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But then he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I have been serving you, and I have never neglected a commandment of yours. 
and yet you have never given me a young goat, so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this, this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours, which was dead, and has begun to live, and was lost, and has been found. So in this passage, we see a big parallel between the parable we read before, right? This older son was so caught up in the moment of his brother being, being given a fatted calf and being given a party because he came back, that he forgot that everything that his father had was also his. The inheritance was still his. And yet that, that one calf, he may have had thousands, we don't know, it doesn't say. But that one calf was just a small portion of what was going to be given to him. So when someone comes back, we can't be like the other son. We can't be like the older son. We need to bring those who are willing to come back with open arms. And we need to remember, just like we saw in Romans chapter 6, that we were once among the ungodly. We were once without hope too. And we could very well be in the same position if we fall away. So that's the sermon tonight. If there's anyone who is a Christian and has had trouble not forgiving their brother or, or forgiving others, uh, please talk to someone. You can come talk to me or anyone. You don't, it doesn't have to be me. If it's something that you need, feel like you need to come forward for, that's fine too. And if you're not a Christian and you don't know what it means to be forgiven of your sins, the plan of salvation is laid up before you to hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized, and remain faithful unto God until, until your death. If you have any, please come as we stand and as we sing.